Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. On today's episode of the Tiger for Life podcast, we catch back up with Julio Pruitt from the class of 2009. Our interview was recorded live in Jones Performing Arts Center during Homecoming Chapel. When we last heard from Julio on the Tiger for Life podcast in November of 2020, he and his family were planning a move to his hometown of Newport. All that changed with the call to Coach Knight, and now the Pruitts call Arkadelphia home, as Julio serves as assistant coach for running backs for the Washtaw Tiger football team. We hope you enjoy this interview with Coach Pruitt. All right. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> you guys awake? About well, I, don't, I don't think, Mr. Merriman, <laughs> yes. I'd like to ask everybody to do me a favor. When I ask you to give me a clap, I want you to clap two times. So I'm going to say, give me a clap, and you're going to, all right, so here we go. Give me a clap. Give me a clap. Give me a clap. There we go. Everybody's up. Nice. <laughs> all right. I know about 800 of you I saw last night at Tiger Tunes practice, so I know why you might need a little bit of help waking up today. Um, it's what I call the most wonderful time of the year. Some of you, that's Christmas. For me, it's homecoming and Tiger Tunes week. Um, it's been a blast watching you uh, prepare for that this week. It's also been fun to be led in worship by uh, a Beta Beach boy and uh, an Australian and a Tiger Tunes host today. So what a fun chapel. And Homecoming Chapel is one of my favorite times, too, because we get to introduce you to uh, one of our alums making a difference. And this year, it's so much fun uh, to have Coach Julius Pruitt with us today, who not only has been a difference maker for uh, his career and his life, but he's also investing back here at Washtaw as a coach of our Tiger football team. Any football players out there today? A few of you. All right. Nice. All right. So um, I want to introduce you to Julius today, and we're just going to uh, ask some questions and get to hear some of his story today. So, uh, Coach, tell us how you chose Washtaw for school, for college. Well, first off, uh, growing up, my next door neighbor, uh, Richard Greer, he um, he ultimately chose to attend Washtenaw University. And so um, growing up, living beside him, he was four years older than me and um, seeing how he grew as a person from the time he left Newport. And um, going to Washington Baptist, and it's one of those things where it's, it's I admired him growing up. And so it's one of those things, seeing him grow as a person as I was going through high school and things like that. That was the first moment that I that Washington was on my radar. And then my high school football coach, Mark Wiley, who's a Washington Baptist alum as well, coached me through my three years of high school. So I had that influence as well. But ultimately, it came down to my dad and, and Coach Knight from the first time that me and my dad met Coach Knight. And it's just one of those things where. He, he has so, such so many mannerisms that remind me of my father. And it's one of those things where from the moment I met him and Coach Cooley and things, it just it washed off felt like home. And it was the only visit I've ever taken. I didn't go to any other school to visit. It was it was an easy choice for me. And it was one of those things where my dad really wanted me to come here. But it was it wasn't necessarily for him, but it was it was for me. But. Yeah, that's awesome. I, um, you told me that you you were supposed to make another college visit and you didn't end up going on that. Tell us about that. I was supposed that. to go to uh, Arkansas Tech and um, it was one of those things where they were calling me like, um, are you going to have a ride? And I was, you know, I'm telling them, I was like, no, I don't have a ride. But one of my high school teammates was actually about to go on a visit with his with his dad, who's a defensive coordinator in Newport. But ultimately, I, I just I found that was my excuse. It was a lie, but it was my excuse to get out of, of attending Arkansas Tech, the visit. <laughs> I love that. Um, now, you obviously had a successful fo- football career here at Washtenaw. I think we have a picture of your time uh, playing here that will be on the screen. Um, but from that time at Washtenaw, how did you end up in the NFL? I'm still trying to figure out that myself. <laughs> um, 
no, but it's just one of those things where I didn't come to school with the with the vision of, of playing in the NFL. You know, that's every kid's dream. You know, we grow up playing the game. That's something that if we get to that, we get to that. But it was one of those things where just getting here, I was just trying to become a better person. You know, just figure out who I was as a person and things like that. And and so it was like my senior year when, you know, scouts and things started rolling up at practice. I'm like, who are they here for? You know, it kind of caught me off guard, but it was one of those things where by the grace of God, you know, really it's one of those things where the opportunity came um, just from the work. put You know, I put in on the field and things like that. And it's one of those things where they always tell you, you know, if you can play ball like, you know, if it's one of those things where if. The professionals that in the NFL, if they if they want to like they can find you anywhere. And it's one of those things where they came to Arkansas and they found me. Yeah. What was that like logistically? Like you were finishing your senior year. Uh, Julius was uh, in was in the class of 2008. Didn't get to finish that time because of this process. So tell us about how that worked. The the process of getting from I'm a student in school and all of a sudden I'm, you know, reporting to the Dolphins. It was the situation was it was it was a journey in itself. Um, like after the draft, you guys, um, you know, I was projected to go as high as the fifth round, but I ended up being undrafted. And so um, I'm sitting there, had a huge draft party. My whole family, you know, they're there. We're celebrating and I never got a phone call. And so um, the next day, the Dolphins called me and they was like, did, did anybody call you? Did anybody sign you, um, you know, after the draft? And I was like, no, sir. And then, and, you know, so they hung up the phone. It was like, wait, let me go talk to the front office and then I'll give you a call back. And so one day I was in Dr. Reynolds, Dr. Reynolds class and um, I got the phone call and I had to tell him, like, Dr. I have to take this. It's the Dolphins. <laughs> and so I stepped out in the hallway and um, it was Ron Brackenton, who was the scout that had been visiting uh, Washington and things like that um, during the, the scouting process. He was like, Julius. He was like, unfortunately, we've decided to go um, another route. And they signed a wide receiver from Tulsa named Brandon Marion, who's the um, he's a wide receiver coach at University of Texas. I keep up with all the guys that got signed over me and things like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they eventually went with Brandon Marion. And um, so at that point, I'm like, I'm I go back in class and Dr. Reynolds, he's looking like I'm like, no, no, nothing, you know, nothing happened. And obviously disappointed. I was crushed. And I'm thinking, what's what's going to happen next? Um, so eventually, um, I'm back home in Newport. Um, I'm, you know, I'm working out and things like that. I'm trying to find ways to, to distract myself. You know, my family, some of my family is like, Hey, I think you need to start trying to focus on finding a job, start doing this. But I'm like, I haven't even finished schooling. And like, this was the opportunity that came about. And it's one of those things where I don't want to give up. I want to keep pursuing it. It's just, I didn't necessarily know how other than to, to, literally run everywhere. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't drive a car, wouldn't ride a bike. I'm running. If I had to go to the store, I'm running to the store. If I had to go to the gym, I'm running to the gym everywhere around Newport. If you, you see some guy with a backpack on running around, it was me. <laughs> and um, it was just one of those things where, and then eventually I got a call to, to come work out for the Dolphins. So they brought me in for a workout. And it was me and a guy named James Robinson, who was a, he was a six, four guy, ran a four, two forty at the workout. Right. And I ran, ended up running a four, four, and things like that. And, but the workout was neck and neck. And afterwards, I remember the offensive coordinator coming up to me. He was like, we've never had a wide receiver workout where two guys were so neck and neck. And he was like, whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it. We're not going to sign you today. We're going to sign James because obviously he ran a four, two, he's six, four. He's, you know, that's, that's rare. You know, that's rare. And so I understood it. And so signed him and the same thing. I'm back home in Newport. Again, my family's, you know, some of my family's like, I think you need to start getting a job now. You had your opportunity. Like, go look at this. Same thing. It was like, no, I'm not giving it up. I'm going to keep pursuing it. And so September 7th, 
I ended up getting another phone call from the uh, player personnel director of the Dolphins, uh, Brian Gang. And he was like, Julius, we're going to offer you a spot on our practice squad. And mind you, this is, is Skip. I didn't attend training camp. I didn't attend minicamp, anything. September 7th was right before the week one of the 2008 regular season, or 2009 regular season. So I got an opportunity to skip all that and to jump straight on practice squad. So it was one of those things where it was only me and my sister. She was upstairs in my mom's apartment. And I get off the phone. And I'm running upstairs. I'm like, Danielle, Danielle. And she's like, what, what, what? I was like, I'm going to Miami. And she was like, what do you, what do you mean you're going to Miami? I was like, I just got the call. Like they offered me a spot on the practice squad. She had no clue what I was talking about, but she seen me running around the apartment. So she got up screaming and everything else too. So that's how, that's how I eventually got to Miami. I love that. Um, as somebody who doesn't know a lot about football, you've been really gracious to teach me so many things about the game, about NFL. Um, yeah, all of you are like, yeah, I don't play football, not running any kind of, you know, for any things. Um, but tell us about what it was like being on the practice squad and how that worked. Because I, as you were telling me, even on the, our podcast interview, I was like, I don't know what's happening. But um, tell us about the practice squad experience, how that worked and how you ended up on the team. Okay. So, you know, each team has 53 players, right? And then they, at my time, we had eight practice squad guys. So the 53 guys are active roster guys. They're on the team. They get they're, they're traveling and things like that. And the eight practice squad guys, you don't travel. You just, you know, you practice. You're giving the team the best look possible and things like that. And so um, that's where I started. And as a, as a as a practice squad, the things that I learned here at Washita, my redshirt freshman year, because I was on the scout team here. And I had to give our defense a look every week in practice. And so it's reading the card. It's reading the card, running the route that's on the card and things like that. And so and um, and so once I got there, that was my job. So I got paid to literally read the card. I got paid to do the thing that I was doing here my red shirt freshman year. And it was like, this is kind of easy. But it's like, you know, but each specific week, say, if we're playing the, Car- uh, the Cardinals, I had to be Larry Fitzgerald. If we were playing the Texans, I had to be Andre Johnson. You know, if we, had, we were playing the, um, the Patriots at the time, I had to be Randy Moss. You know, because those were the guys that was in the NFL at the time I was. And so it was one of those things where I had to give the best look possible each and every day in practice. And then also on every Tuesday, they bring in all types of guys to just try out, right? So anytime they would bring an extra receiver in that's trying to make the team, I would have to go in on that Tuesday on my off day to work out with that guy. And I had to beat that guy out that they was bringing in to work out. So if, if that guy outperformed me, I would be out the door. So from my time being on practice squad, I was never released from practice squad because it's one of those things was like, I'm not going to let anybody that's outside this building come in and take my job. And it's one of those things where it's like, this is, I don't want to go back to Newport. (laughs) Really, I don't want to go back to Newport, you know, but it was one of those things where I found my niche and that was like giving the best look possible, then also special teams. Once I figured out that I was really good on special teams and then the special teams coach told me that I was probably the best special teams coach that he had ever coached. And so those words and things like that stuck with me. So I really bought into it. And that's how I found my way onto the active roster by being a special teams ace. Yeah. What was it like when you played that first like, active game in the NFL? I think you told me about that. Yeah, it was against game. the Kansas City Chiefs. I was so fired up. Even the special teams coaches and they had bets going on. It was like, I bet you Pruitt makes every tackle on special teams. <laughs> I was like, I was that fired up. You know, it was a snow game, Kansas City, Missouri against the Chiefs. Like it was, it was picture perfect. Like guys, like it was, it was picture perfect. It was amazing, but I didn't get a tackle that game, but I didn't have any missed assignments and things like that. But it was, it was an amazing feeling. Like it was, I, it's indescribable. It was amazing. 
Now, did I hear you put on some pads last week for practice to to help your, I did. your guys I did. out? I did. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I know guys kind of joke with me about it. It's like, you just really want to play, don't you? Like, no. Nah. <laughs> it's just, I was just trying to give the, you know, our offense a, a really good look. And it's one of those things where I just felt the need to put the helmet on. It was my old helmet that I wore here, which is outdated and everything else. I didn't have a guardian cap, Taekwon. Um <laughs> You know, but it was one of those things where, yeah, I strapped it on. It was, you know, and put it on. It was, it was fun. It was fun. Wasn't too sore afterwards either. So, you know, it worked out. Yeah. Not a lot of schools like Washtenaw get an NFL alum to be on their coaching staff. So that's pretty exciting. Um, we talked about it on the podcast, but tell us what it means to be an NFL alum, what that means and then what that means for you, you know, now that you can go back to the Dolphins and do things, that sort of thing. It's, 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 it's amazing. Um, like the day that um, it, with the Miami, like you get a green jacket whenever they welcome you into the alumni, you know, the, that room, that, that community of, 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 of former players and things like that, they give you a green jacket. So being able to show up for, um, they were celebrating Don Shula's um, birthday before he passed, um, the, the late, great Hall of Fame coach Don Shula. And so I got a green jacket. And it's one of those things where my kids were there to see it. My wife was there to see it. Like, give me my, my in-laws were there to see it. And it's one of those things where I couldn't have imagined, you know, being, being a, you know, being a part of an organization, but it's, it's, for, it's for lifetime now. You know, it's not just temporary, but it's, it's they welcome me in. I'm a Miami Dolphin for life. Yeah. Tell us how that worked as far as finishing your degree. I know it was an important thing for you to finish your Washtenaw degree and uh, you're an in the class of 08, but finished in 2021 in the middle of the pandemic. Um, tell us what role the NFL played in helping you finish out that path. They played a huge role. I actually tried to come back in 2020, I mean, 2012 when during the NFL lockout, but um, I wasn't able to finish it then because it was more so like when the lockout ended, it was getting back to keep your job, you know? And, and so um, thankfully, Washington had the online program, the Washington online um, because it's one of those things where I thought that I always was going to have to come back on campus to finish my degree. But having four kids, you know, a family living in Miami, like I th- it would be impossible to get back down here to finish my degree. So whenever the Washita online came about and I was able to finish my last 12 hours online, like it it worked out perfectly. And it was something that I promised my coaches. I promised my parents like the day that I left and, you know, left it unfinished that I would return back one day to finish. it. I just had no clue when. But, you know, it was 11 years later, but we got it done. That's awesome. Um, what role did your faith play during your time as a Dolphin, like in the NFL? What did your faith look like in that process? Every morning I sat in my locker and I read I read a Proverbs a day, a Psalm a day. And so it was one of those things where like a lot of my teammates would pass by and things like that, see me in my locker. So they just automatically labeled me as a preacher. <laughs> and so like really it was, it was preacher Pruitt. And so it was one of those things where I got to lead a lot of the dinner, you know, the prayers over our food, the travel. And um, like right before games, I was praying over the team before we went out. And it was one. It was a privilege. It was an honor to be able to speak over the team and things like that throughout my time with the Dolphins. And it was it was amazing. But my faith, that's, that's where I, I got that here, though. I got that. I know we're about to get back into that question. And, you know, I'm ready to dive into that some more, too. Nice. Yeah. I know that you didn't grow up in church necessarily. Um, like I didn't do that as well. So we had, had to find our path on our own a little bit. Um, tell us about how you found your need for Christ as a student here at Washington. Chapel. That's the first time that I was introduced to it my freshman year. And it's one of those things we're seeing students from different walks of life, different backgrounds, different beliefs, different things like to be able to come together and pray and, and come together through through one thing, and that's God. 
You know, it was it was a beautiful thing to see. And like just sitting here, like I was up there my freshman year over here. And it's just one of those things where it, it's it, it moved me. And it was one of those things where I wanted to know more. And it, 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 it awakened something inside me that I wanted to seek out and learn more. And so it was those things where um, like one sophomore, junior year, we had exit interviews with Coach Knight at the end of each season. And I would go in there with with, you know, we had to go in with goals and things we wanted to do for the summer. What we how we wanted to improve and get better on the football field and things like that. But it was one of those things where I always had it in big capital letters. I want to get baptized. Like every time I went in there with Coach Knight, my exit meetings, it was like, I want to get baptized. But at the same time, it was one of those things where he would look at me. It was like, but do you like it, it was not necessarily questioning what I was trying to do. He just wanted to make sure that I knew everything that that went with that. And it's one of those things where it was nothing that he could necessarily tell me or, you know, kind of explain for me to do. It's something that I had to feel. And I had to seek and search out for myself. Only thing he can do was, was guide me. And that's what he did throughout my, my entire time with him it was, was guide me. And it's just one of those things where my teammates and things around me, it's just it's one of those things where it's hard not to. It's hard not to when you have all these individuals that, that believe in, in something bigger than themselves and greater than themselves. It's, it's kind of not hard to grasp that and, and, and want that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I love about Washtaw is that you don't have to sign a statement of faith to be here. You don't have to be a Christian coming in here. And we have a diverse group of students in this crowd, different faith backgrounds, no faith backgrounds. And I love that. Some of the other schools like us, I mean, you have to be a Christian, already accepted Christ to be on campus. And I love this open community where we can be in all different walks of life, different places in our walk, or still not knowing Christ and questioning. So uh, I love that your, you know, your coaches, people uh, spoke into you, that chapel was really something that spoke to you. Um, tell me about when you knew it was time to make that decision public uh, in Newport. Tell us about that experience. It was, it was mother's day. It was, um, it was the first, it was the only mother's day that I was in church with my grandma, my mom, and um, like a lot of my aunties and things like that. And so um, I'm sitting there, I'm behind my grandma, I'm behind my mom and well, my mom is beside me and I'm behind my grandma. And it gets to that point in church where, you know, they're asking if there's anybody out there that wants to, um, you know, take that step and things like that. And it was just something, I just, something just stood me up. I'm sorry. That's, I, I, have, I have to do that to explain the story, but something just lifted me up out of my chair. And that's exactly how it was. And in that moment, I'm already up and my grandma was just looking at me. She was like, go on, baby. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those things where I, from that moment forth, you know, it, it's, that was the start of it. And then, um, even that same church, like the, the baptism tub, it wasn't that same exact day, but later on when we time to, you know, started getting, um, it was time for me to get baptized tub in that church was was super small and at the time i was a 6 230 pound wide receiver you know and so i had you know bigger bigger broader shoulders and so i wouldn't fit so we went to a different church a little white church that was down the street from my grandma and the same thing the tub was just a little bit bigger and so um so it was the pastor cry and then I'm, the guy my next door neighbor uh richard Greer, the one that the washita line well his father was a deacon as well so they're taking me down the steps, trying to lead me down the steps into the water. And I go through one of the steps like because I'm walking down it sideways and I go through one of the steps and I end up putting my hand through the wall, like trying to catch myself. And then I hear Pastor Christ, the devil's out to get him, you know. And so it's one of those things where like I scraped my knee, had a little gash on my hand, but at the same time, that wasn't going to stop anything. So they, they continue to lead me down into, you know, into the water. And then they took me down, but they couldn't get me back up. 
so my shoulders kind of got stuck in between the two and the pool. And, and so it's one of those things where they, they're tugging and I eventually come back up and I'm looking, I'm like, Absolutely. that was quite a long, long time, you know? <laughs> and so, and then it was like, but well, we got to go down one more time. So they took me down one more time, but we got up a little bit faster the next time. But that's, that's how my baptism story went. I love that. That's so fun. Um, yeah, did they fix that baptistry after that? Did they get that step? I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't, well, they had, I think they, they, um, they put a little carpet and a little tape. They, yeah, go. little, little patchwork, little patchwork. And then they're like, this is the Julius hole in the wall this where he uh, put his hand through the wall. Uh, do you have a favorite scripture passage you'd like to share with us today? What's a verse uh, that you love? Philippians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. And it's, um, I, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's one of the, I have a funny story about that as well. Um, I got the tattoo on my arm in, um, in 2011. Um, it was, like I say, as a practice squad guy, I wasn't able to travel, right? And so um, on, on the day, it was a Thursday. I decided after practice to go, you know, get the tattoo. And so I show up for Friday's walkthrough and Coach Sperano, who's my coach at the time, he noticed that I had a covering on my arm. And um, he was one of those things. He was like, Pruitt, I'm like, what's that? And then I'm like, Coach, I mean, I, I got a tattoo. And he kind of looked and he was like, he was like, what does it say? He was like, it better not be some Chinese letterings that you can't pronounce. <laughs> right. And so um, I was like, no. And I told him the Bible verse and things like that. And he was like, well, you're going to need the strength because I'm going to activate you this week. So he, he gave me the news that I was going to be activated for our final game against the Oakland Raiders. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where in, I got so nervous that week, Mr. Merriman, and it's one of those things where I actually almost missed the plane. I almost missed the plane because going to the airport, we have a specific airport that we, we always go to, and um, I hadn't been there since preseason, right? Because during the season, I wasn't traveling. So 16 weeks have gone by, and I forgot how to get there. <laughs> And that was at the time really wasn't using GPS and things like that. And so, um, you know, I'm supposed to be at the airport at a certain time. And I ended up in Fort Lauderdale, like way, like 15 minutes out the way. I'm no, no kidding. 15 minutes out the way. And they're calling me. And Coach Brown was like, Pruitt, where are you at? It's like, Coach, I'm lost. And I'm here. I don't know where I am. So they sent the police to come get me. <laughs> right. So I'm sitting there on the side of the road and I'm um, like waiting for them. And they come, they get me. And I got to I got to go 100 the first time in my truck all the way to the airport. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And but I get on that plane and Coach Ronald's right there in the first in the first row. He just looks at me like and just shakes his head, <laughs> you know, but I didn't dress that game because I, he took that in a sense like he's. He's a little bit too nervous. He's not completely ready, which I respected that. But at least I still got to travel and things like that. And then I sat down in my seat next to Brian Hartline, who's the wide receiver coach at Ohio State University. He was like, he was like, Julius, he was like, if you were any other guy, we probably would have left you. <laughs> he was like, you're just such a nice guy that we decided to wait, you know, and that's, that's you know, that's, that's what it was. But usually they leave guys. They don't wait. If you're late, forget about it. Forget about it. You have to find your own way to the game. Uh, tell us why that verse is important to you and kind of what it means to you. Because I've, I've gone through a lot of a lot of different difficult situations in my life. And it's one of those things where throughout all those things, like the one the one thing that that always lifts me up is is God. You get me? It's, it's one of those things where when you pray about certain things and you kind of you, you let it all go and give it over to him, like he, he lifts you up and he allows you. He, illum he illuminated my path for me anytime I would give anything over to him. Like he continued to show me my way, show me my way. But it was ultimately up to me to walk it. But it was one of those things where it just that strength, just that belief, knowing that I can go to him about anything 
and that there was nothing that I would face on my walk that that I couldn't overcome or get past. Nice. Um, tell us about your family. I know some of your family's here with you, but um, we brought a picture of your fam too that we'll put up there so everybody can see your sweet family. Uh, tell us about your family. Well, that's my wife, Marilyn. We've been married for six years now. She's back there with my mom. Um, that's my daughter, Leilani, who's nine. Calais, who's eight. Eden, who's six, and Nova, who's four. So nine, eight, six, and four. Um, we, my, my wife is born and raised in Miami. Um, her parents are uh, Nicaraguan descent, so they're from Nicaraguan, but she's um, born and raised in Miami. And um, like we re- we've been living, we met there in 2012. We had our first child, Leilani, in 13. We married in 2016, and it's it. She changed my life. She changed my life, and it's one of those things where from the moment I met her. And then from the moment we we started to build what we have and, you know, our kids and things like that, it's just it's shown me I just have a greater appreciation just for everything, you know, for everything. So it's, it's a lot of times whenever I'm down or, or feeling iffy or anything, you know, obviously I pray about it. But at the same time, I always I look at them and it's one of those things where it's like I don't ever want them to see me feeling any type of way. I always want them to try to see me with a smiling face, see me being positive, see me, you know, trying not to be as negative and things like that. But they're they're amazing. And like and they make this coaching thing. They make traveling. They make everything easily because they're they're such an amazing kids. And they they love Arkansas. They love Arkansas, Arkansas. Like they love it. They've adapted so well. Like they've 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 made new friends. They're excelling in school. Like as parents, we can't ask for anything else. We couldn't, we can ask for anything else. Like they're amazing. That's awesome. You're quite a, a pair, just perfect for each other. It's so fun to get to visit with you both. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, some of your family's here today with us. Um, you know, we did the podcast, I don't know, you know, a year and a half ago, you were in Miami. We were talking by Zoom. And not too long after that, you appear in Arkadelphia coaching. Um, tell us what led you back to Arkadelphia and, uh, coaching here in town well it's um me and my wife we were deciding we were we were wanting to get to arkansas we just didn't know exactly where and how we were going to do it but we were we were kind of getting over the city life and we wanted to kind of settle our family down and raise them in a you know small town you know in the country back where i grew up in things and so um yeah we were we were going back and forth over and we were going to open i was going to open an athletic facility training facility in newport arkansas but every time I would talk to my wife about it, she would see that I would get, I would tense up about it and I would, I would feel a certain type of way about it. And she was like, you don't, I never seemed sure about it because going back to, I don't know, it's just one of those things where, you know, you're going back home, you, you know, things that you maybe try to get away from and things like that. And so it was one of those things where I just never felt really good about it, even though that's something that I wanted to do. I wanted to get back to Arkansas. I wanted to do some sort of, you know, training or you know, I wanted to do something. But it was just one of those things where it's like, no, nah, I really want to, you know, try to get back into coaching. Like, I want to coach my kids. But at the same time, it's like, I want to, I wonder, I wonder. And so I picked up the phone and it was one of those things. It was on my heart. It was on my mind. I just, I just ran and let me hit Coach Knight up. And I was like, Coach Knight, like, I really, I, I want to, I want to coach for you. It's like, I want to be under you. I want to learn from you. I'm going to grow with you. And I was like, if you, if there's, well, it, it didn't matter what it is. Like, you give me, it's just, I want to, I want to get down here and I, I want to try to, I want to try to learn and be a coach and give me and what it is to be a coach. And really I just wanted to get back underneath coach night. And, um, and, but it was also one of those things where Arkadelphia wasn't the first place that, you know, ultimately I was thinking about. And it was one of those things where I'm like saying Newport and then we were thinking about Jonesboro for the athletic facility. But then Maryland was like, 
what about Arkadelphia? And it was just like, I mean, that's a no brainer. Like you get me, it's just one of those things where it was home, but it's just, I, I, I didn't want to get back here until I was, I was like, I told coach Knight until I was, I walked into who I was supposed to be as a person. I wanted to come back here, I guess, not not necessarily the perfect product, but at the same time, it's just I didn't want to come back here and be under the coach night until I was comfortable with who I was as the person. And, and, and yeah, and, and so it's just one of those things where it's like God led me back here, you know, eventually. And it's one of those things where since I've been here, like, it's been nothing short of amazing. Like, the guys, like, my running back room, like, it's they're amazing. Like, they make coaching eat, like, they, just, they make it so easy. You know, and it's just one of those things where I, I just I love every second being here in Arkadelphia. Like, I love it. I absolutely love it. Awesome. Now we have an NFL alum and a culinary school trained uh, person here settling in Arkadelphia with their sweet family. And we're just so excited that you've chosen to make Arkadelphia your home. I know it's uh, a place that Emily and I love, obviously, but we're glad that you love this place to enter here. And one more thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think it's time to update this Washita Athletic Hall of Fame. What do y'all think? <laughs> Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't, you know, this, I'm going to use this time to kind of toot that. I think, I think, Coach Sharp, I know you're in here, but I think it's, Coach, I think it's about time to update this Washington Athletic Hall of Fame. I think there's need to be one more face in that, in that, in that spec. What do y'all say about that? Huh? Yeah, I don't think I have a vote, but you've got my vote there. I, I don't know. That. I'll, I appreciate I'll pass that. that to, to I just, Coach I just Sharp. wanted to put that out there. There you go. I, th- I think it's a good, good shot there. Um, but, Julius, thanks so much for joining us, David Chapel. Let's give Julius one more round of applause for being with us today. Thankful for you. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes. Oh,